Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. If we laughed more, what could we do? You know, laughter is, is proven to create more positivity and a positive mindset. With positive mindset, creates more productivity, better relationships. We all could use that a lot more. We make better decisions when we're more positive. And so with all that said, imagine a world where people were more positive, laughed more, um, what this could be. Because I honestly, I think we, we used to be that way. And then we started getting so indulged with you know social media and online and all that stuff is good but it really does mess with your fucking head hot breath we live hot breath verse welcome back to hot breath the show where you learn comedy from the pros i am your host comedian joel byers today's guest shares the spirit we do here at hot breath of comics helping comics of that positive supportive environment crushing out the negative and competitive aspect of comedy He's the CEO of Big Laugh Comedy. We're doing this live on our YouTube channel. So if you're not subscribed there yet, go subscribe to our YouTube channel where we do Q&As every single week. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome comedian and CEO of Big Laugh Comedy, the one and only Brandon Lewin, everyone. Give it up for Brandon. What's up, everybody? What's up, Joel? Thank you so much for having me on. Woo, yeah. We out um, here. I am not a comedian, by the way. I did it for a year and a half, and then I just, I called it quits. Oh, literally, <laughs> right before we went on, you're like, when I started comedy five years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started doing it, uh, and then quickly realized that that just wasn't my thing. So um, I, I love comedy. I love stand-up. But the, the reason I actually stopped was just because I have kids and a family, and at the time I was a little bit later in life, and... Um, I also am just not built for doing the same thing over and over and over again, which is obviously a big part of comedy. And that's something I quickly realized when I first started doing it was like, I remember I just didn't know enough. And I, I was saying this before we jumped on, which kind of led us into the, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> am I allowed to swear on this, by the way? Yeah, let her rip, fam. All right, yeah, yeah. Cool. I have a bit of a potty mouth. But, I, know, I look uh, like a Mormon, but it's all right. <laughs> I know you you do. That's why I asked where you were at. I thought you were in Utah uh, with the <laughs> Park bunch of people. Um, <laughs> but I, um, yeah. So when I when I first started doing it, I remember I would go to open mics, and there were there were people on there, and they were doing the same bits over and over and over again. And I was like, why the fuck are they doing that? And then I quickly realized what it was. They were just working out the kinks and. Um, and it's part of the process. And I just like, my brain does not go there. Like even when I, I used to teach like courses for marketers. And even when I did that, although, um, I had to use a script, I would switch it up every so often because it just, it rep repetition was, is just not my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, I get the, the core aspect of it and then like kind of branching off, but um, I don't know. So anyway, I, I have a, I had love comedy. I love comedians, but I found my place and my kind of lane, uh, which was comedy production, man. That's, that's my bread and butter. I was, I was raised in marketing and sales. And so now I just get to apply that for comedians and help them from a business perspective too. Cause I quickly realized that comedians are not the best business people and, Facts. <laughs> um, Yes. And so I would see and, and marketers either. So I would see a lot of them uh, promoting to the comedy group on Facebook about their show when it's all comedians in that group, when they really should be promoting to the people who would be coming and buying tickets and watching them. And so um, that's where I saw an opportunity to come in and help them and do that. And so far, so good. Yeah, you came from like you used to do like train like corporate trainings for companies and stuff, right? That these used to like do this at a high level. Yeah, my uh right. So I I actually um I've been an entrepreneur since I came out of college, uh really. And I took a I took what I call a three year hiatus from that and I worked for a couple agencies and the last agency I worked for was a digital marketing agency that specialized in 
um, both training and consulting on Google Analytics and um, digital advertisements. And so we had clients that were, you know, Fortune 500 companies from universities to uh, franchises to Toyota. I trained uh, the digital marketer from Interscope Records at one point. So a lot of different larger um, organizations that came through there, but they had two sides. They had the the actual like uh, consulting business and then they had the training business. And the training business is what I came on to do. And they were looking for what they called a unicorn, which was someone who had the understanding and know how, how to market something, but also had the people people skills to go out and actually train and do these trainings. And so I was in charge of doing that. And we grew the business about $800,000 in the first uh, eight, uh, increased by $800,000 in the first eight months that I was on there. Mm. And then I was out there training. So I would go, I was out like every other week, um, spending sometimes four or five days out on the road, just doing these trainings in front of, you know, groups that range anywhere from 15 people to 200 people. So it was a lot of fun, man. It, it, uh, it was one thing that I, I, there was a goal of mine to do some business traveling, which I did. I went, you know, all over North America, including um, Canada and spent some time up in Vancouver and Calgary, which Calgary is beautiful. It's also something I didn't know about it, that that's the Texas part of Canada. Cowboys <laughs> um, and cattle up there and barbecue. There's a lot wow. of barbecue. Yeah, I didn't know that. I walked in there. I was like, where the fuck am I? Am I like, am I in Houston? Because there was like, everybody was wearing cowboy hats and cowboy boots and it was everything was meat and, and oil. Hilarious. But apparently it's a, it's a big oil, um, I guess, territory. So uh so yeah it was it was it's it was kind of an interesting background it was fun but i i believe everything led me to to this point what are some like based on your like even like your marketing expertise like what are some big tips you could have you see comics always making mistakes you know and here on hot breath we love helping and educating comics but you know that's something even me I'm, you know, as a comedian 12 years in, I'm like, well, how, how can I market myself better? Or like, you know, what are what are some kind of big takeaways or things that you see a lot of mistakes you see comics making or just tips for us, really? So two things. I think one, you should own your own assets. And what I mean by that is instead of relying on social media, although it is a big part of marketing, uh, especially nowadays, and that's where all the masses are. but if you can, and I've always been, um, this has been, this has been my philosophy for, for years, probably like 10 plus years now is that social media is a really, it's a necessary evil. Um, mm -hmm. but as we've seen, because I've seen it firsthand, I'm sure you and plenty of other people who are watching this have seen it too, is that we are, um, essentially, uh, we're, we're victims to social media, Wh whatever they wake up and decide to do, they can do. And we have no control over that. So we've seen comedians get, I've seen personally get big comedians get shadow banned. Um, you know, Tim, Tim Dillon is no longer on Instagram because he got shadow banned and he can't promote on, on there really anymore. And so, and, and maybe he does, I actually, I haven't really checked in a while, but I, the last time I heard he was like, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. Um, but wow. the, the people have gotten shadow banned and it's really affected their ticket sales tremendously and so it's things like that so, you know facebook started doing that way back in the day when facebook first started i remember i was on there they would um you you would spend it was so easy you would spend time building up your business page and getting people on there and then one day they woke up and they said we're changing the algorithm now you have to earn this and they changed it up and you went from being able to see all the followers that you had on there if you spent time building up a hundred thousand followers on there they said now on average 5% of your followers are going to see your post unless you pay to play or they're extremely engaged. And it, it's, it's really unfortunate because people spend a lot of time building this up and then they can do whatever they want to do. And then we have to uh, um, adapt to those changes and it's not, it's not good. So what I always recommend is two things. One, own your assets, meaning that if you're a traveling comedian, you're going out there, and you're selling tickets, collect all the emails. Clubs should give you the emails. They should give you the contact information. Shouldn't be a question. Um, 
third, uh, or, or, or I should say that I don't know if that's second or third. I don't know. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> but uh, you should also have a website. I think having a website is very important. It's not you don't need the fanciest of websites, but there. I mean, for people who are just starting off, there are uh, templated kind of drag and drop websites available, like Squarespace. I always use Squarespace at kind of like a, a beginner's level one, and then if you can invest in getting a little bit more. Um, you know, in depth, because the, the pr only problem with Squarespace is that you don't have full control of what you do with the marketing aspect. So like search engine optimization and stuff, um, you don't have full control over that. Where if you go to like a WordPress website, you can plug in um, a Yoast SEO, which is a is a plugin, and you can use that and that that helps tremendously. So you can be found uh, organically. And so, uh, so emails, website, and then I, I've actually found that text messaging right now is extremely popular, uh, mm -hmm. and it's also a very nice uh, ticket seller. So we we have grown. We have an email list of about sixteen thousand people in, in local the local area from people who have bought tickets. We, we've collected more, but in all honesty, there's some people that unsubscribe. Plus, the way we sell tickets, we only really collect one person's email address where sometimes they could purchase up to four tickets. So sometimes we're only capturing a fourth of the people that are coming through there, but we try to do other things to get people to subscribe and, um, and, and enter their information. But text messaging, what we found, we have a 16,000 uh, person email list, but we have a 2000 person text messaging, messaging list. And the 2000 person text messaging list actually sells buys more tickets than the email list does wow yeah so um they're hot they know what they're doing like we've set it up where if you we we use a tool called community um it's not an inexpensive tool but it is a great one because you actually can use your own number um or, or i shouldn't say your own number but you can use a real number instead of like a 614 or whatever it is when you do those certain text messaging services. But you what you can do is you set up a number, whatever area code you're in, you get it set it up, people can text you, you can build out a little bit of like a welcome, like, a, like a funnel. So you can make it sound like you're talking to them directly. And then you can schedule and post things. And then also they give you analytics. So you so if you're a comedian, for example, and you're collecting people's text messaging, you will be able to see who's in what city. And if you want to say you you got shows coming up in Chicago, you can go onto your text messaging group and start letting them know that like the pre-sale starting or, you know, only a couple of tickets are left or whatever it is, or just let them know that it's on sale and you can send it out directly to that demographic. You can also segment it by, um, different population or different demographics, age groups, also uh, sex, male, female, or gender, I should say. Um, so I, I gotta be careful what I say there. You're canceled, Brandon. Uh, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> this was all a ruse to get you canceled. <laughs> That's all it took. Oh man. <laughs> no, um, <you're> <laughs> Brandon's running on like very few hours of sleep right now. He's up in New York and he's, he uh, jumped on here to do this with us. We do appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm a little like foggy headed, that's that's the that's the problem here. But uh, um, all good. Um, so so yeah, it's it's a it's a fantastic tool, man. And I think it's it's extremely powerful. And if you use it correctly, it, it can really help you move tickets and grow community too. The other thing with it is that it shouldn't all be all about selling tickets, right? Like it's also you can use it for like sharing content if you got a blog. Um, or if you're, you know, putting up like different sketches or whatever you're doing, um, you got a podcast, you got a live going right now, this would be a great opportunity if you were had a text messaging, text, text messaging list. Um, although I'd be interested to see how that would translate with like a live podcast, because I don't know how many people watch it on their phone versus mm -hmm. watching it then like on their TV or the computer, but it, it could still be a, like a good reminder just to let people know, hey, here we're we're going live we got a new podcast go here click here go watch the the link so but my guess is that most people do everything on their phones nowadays anyway so that still would be a pretty effective tool to use for sure yeah and uh rick mccarthy said am i the only one who thinks he looks like bert's brother so i don't know if you've gotten that before <laughs> 
that's fucking great, dude. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or a a uh, insult, but either way, I'll take it. I'll that's take hilarious. it as a compliment. We did a whole campaign during uh, the pandemic where um, it, we called it like Bert Watch. And we like created a bunch of like memes and stuff to get Bert on the show. And I created a video. And then um, he actually replied to the tweet. And he oh, said, nice. yeah. And then he gave me his number and he gave me like his assistance number or whatnot. And then that's the last that's that's the last we've gotten of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, and then his assistant kept like he keeps kicking the can down the road and i was like all right fine we'll we'll build it and they will come it was just cool to get his attention and him see but you know it's i'm not losing sleep over it no i mean that man is is busier than all heck I mean, he's Yo. got tours and he just yeah. doesn't he does not stop so for sure yeah, yeah. it's all timing i know yeah yeah 100 percent uh but um so with with big laugh like mm-hmm. oh and rick said that was definitely a compliment okay yes ah, yes I appreciate Cause, cause that. Thanks, is, if there's one thing bert's known for it's his looks so that's it, definitely <laughs> <laughs> but um Hold on. let me take off my shirt too yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the machine uh no so um yeah i, t- I appreciate it thanks rick Oh yeah, and um, yeah, and uh, this is a live Q and A. So if uh, anybody watching live here, we appreciate y'all watching live. Please do share this link on Twitter or Facebook or Reddit, wherever you guys hang out. Please share it there. And um, Big O actually asked. He said, "How do comedians become a part of your company? Do they have to be in the game for some time, or does it matter?" Uh, it's not necessarily you have to be in the game for uh, a certain period of time. It's um, we, we look at a couple different factors and see what, what you're doing. You know, sometimes we'll start with uh, so depending on the shows, right? Like if if, if you want to get on shows, it's one thing. We are pretty, pretty protective of stage time right now. Um, we don't really do open mics just because where we're located, there's tons of open mics outside of what we do. Um, eventually we're going to have other programs, uh, as far as, you know, getting more stage time for younger, newer comedians. But, um, you know, there's, there's opportunities with like podcasts. Like we, we just brought on a, a, a new podcast with a, a young comedian by the name of Jimmy Clifford, shout out to Jimmy and his boys, him and Greg and JJ, they all, they put together this great podcast. They've been doing awesome just hustling they got like 20 or 30 episodes out already great um it's very illustrative um they have a lot of great edits in it and it, and it does a great job and they're natural just kind of like goofing off it's a little broish, but it's it's a fantastic podcast but he he's he's younger he's not i wouldn't call him like he's not going to get up there and start hosting or featuring for any big names yet but he does a really good job with his podcast. And I think that's one of the easiest ways for younger comedians. I mean, nowadays everybody has a podcast, but if you have a good angle, you do a good job with it. Um, you know, like this, this is a great podcast. I, I was telling you before is like, I wish this was around when I first started, uh, because there's nothing like this. I think really that was out there. Um, I would, I was searching high and low for like how to's, how to because that's my background right like i'm coming from a a marketing aspect and everywhere you go it's like how do you do this how do you do that how do you post social media and but there was nothing like how do you write a good joke how do you you know work out your timing there was there's really nothing or at least at the time when i was doing the research there was nothing yeah Um, that's why this started yeah yeah and 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 having this now i mean this is this is fantastic like um there's a local comedian austin well he's from la originally or not originally but from um he he was out at the store and he moved during the pandemic out there asan ahmad and a great comedian fantastic guy um like really really good comedian he's about to blow up and he um he started doing this like clips where he would break down jokes and just like someone like a, a bigger bigger comedian i think you kind of do that too right yeah we um, recently started doing stuff like that yeah yeah so he started doing it too and, and it was once i saw him post it i was like man you guys keep doing it and unfortunately he didn't keep doing it but um those are one of those things where like breaking down jokes for people for younger comedians i think is a really powerful tool that's something that like we wanted to do is 
far as creating some like sort of education, not necessarily like a paid place, but just like a, maybe to, tools or someone that comes in and talks a little bit about the jokes. Like I, I watched your clip about um, the, what was it, like five tips from Mark Norman, which mm -hmm. Mark is a great dude. One, one of the greatest joke writers that are out there right now. For sure. And I was watching that that clip and those were fantastic. I mean, like the, the tips, I was like, man, see, maybe I would have been a comedian if I just would have had this around back when I first started. Um, <laughs> now, now I'm too far down what I'm doing. That I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't really need, like, I always think about it. I was like, maybe I should get back on stage. And some people like tease me about doing it, but I'm like, nah, but anyway, so it goes both ways though, with show production too. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, like, a, a few times I've been like, oh, maybe I should get back into show production. And then I start back in it and I was like, yo, who can help me with this? Like, yeah, I now yeah. co-produce a show. I only do one now and I co-produce it because I was like, yo, I'm not I'm not about this life anymore. I did one for no. like eight years and then yeah. like, I'm like, I'm good on this. <laughs> it's a lot of work, dude. That's the thing, man. It's like I, I've talked to other comedians, too. It's like it's it's cool to like produce one show, but to have to like do this on a consistent basis over and over again and try to do your stuff. It's just not worth it. Like comedians, this is another thing I found from like, at least from the larger, more successful comedians that are out there, the prof the pros are going around doing the tours. They have teams behind them. They, they don't do everything themselves. You know, mm -hmm. they're not posting social media. They're not editing their clips. They're not, they're not uh, working out their deals. They have people doing that for them. And uh, and that allows them to do what they do best, which is write jokes and perform. And I think that's it's true in every in any kind of like profession. You know, you look at professional athletes, they're not going out there making their own deals as for their clubs. They're not going out there figuring out their own training programs. They got people who come in and do that for them. Yeah. And it's no different from a comedian's standpoint. I think obviously when you're younger and you're first starting off, you have to be a little bit more hands-on um but i always say is like when you can get to a point where you can find someone to help you out in any aspect of it take advantage of it you know find that person um i i used i think jimmy's a good example too because he he found he has his buddy greg who's kind of like his co-host he's not really a comedian but he's just there and he's he's good to be a part of the conversation and he's got jj who's his producer who um has just gotten into learning how to cut and edit and do a really good job with it but the three of them combined make a fantastic podcast but i guarantee you if jimmy was trying to do all that by himself it wouldn't be as successful as it mm -hmm. is now for and sure so that that's another kind of point so and i i don't know if i answered that person's question about how do they get involved with big laugh comedy um if you have a podcast or podcast idea that's something we uh, do take on original content too. So if you have like skits or um, anything along those lines, we'll take it and help you out. Um, if you've been performing for a little bit longer and you're, you feel like you, you've gone, you've gone, you know, your legs underneath you, um, we'd love, you know, we'll take a look at stuff. I don't do clips anymore though. Um, people try to send me videos and I just don't do them anymore uh -huh. because I've gotten fucked once, and uh, that was the only time I needed to that uh, that that made me change that. And um, it was it, it's one of those things where I actually I got a really good clip, uh, a video from somebody. They're like, "Oh yeah, you know, I do comedy all the time. I'm a writer for this and that." She sent me a clip. I watched the clip, and then I was like, "Oh man, she killed it!" Brought her out. She was supposed to feature for the headliner at a show. Now this was before we were doing like big big shows, but. Um, she came out and she uh, bombed horribly, mm -hmm. horribly. Now, I mean, understandably, not everyone has a great set every single time. But like when you're supposed to be featuring for somebody, typically, like I've seen enough people feature that even if the crowd isn't 100% in there, they know how to get them a little bit in there. I mean, that's their job. Or at least handle it. Yes, you exactly. Know, yeah, not crumble. She yeah. Did, and she did not handle it very well. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was another good story. I heard a story by uh Chris Stefano. I think actually he was talking with um I think it was Bert or when he was on uh uh he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, but he was talking about how before he ever got up on I think it was Letterman he was going on before Letterman got off. Um but he was auditioning, he wanted to get up there and his people were like kept on coming to his shows and watching him and watching him 
and he never got the call to come on the the late show but when he when he bombed he bombed in front of them and he's like oh fuck they're not gonna want to do it and his manager called him up and was like no chris actually they want you to come in and so you asked him why and they said because they saw they saw him fail or bomb but he did it professionally he did not yep. crumble he handled it like a pro and that's what they were looking for and i think that's another really good tip for any sort of comedian in general is that you know you're gonna bomb but like you gotta do it as a pro you gotta just keep powering through it and handle it and not crumble and so now on the flip side i've i've also been burned on tapes for in in the reasons where like i didn't think they were funny enough and then i saw them live and they fucking killed it uh-huh. and, and i remember this so this my buddy trumaine bradley uh he sent me a tape oh when i first started producing shows and i watched it and i was like I told him i sent him a response like man i'm like you know keep trying this is you know this is good but it's just not a good fit for me right now or for us and for the shows and he's like all right cool and um he i ended up co-producing a show with another comedian and he knew tremaine and he put tremaine on the show and um tremaine went up and for about 15 minutes he killed he murdered murdered the room i was like loud as hell laughing like cackling <laughs> um and he got off stage and he walked up to me and he goes he whispered in my ear he goes brandon he's like i see i told you you should have put me up dang like, fam yeah. well and, and that and that like the confidence the swagger and the fact that he did it and he walked the walk and talked the talk i mean that that from then on i never questioned him mm-hmm. and he's been doing great man like he, i i started putting him up when we started doing bigger shows i started putting him up he got um he started featuring for steve byrne and then uh and then he went on the road with him a little bit and now he's doing some more stuff in chicago too so right it's it's stuff like that like it, you know it, helping comedians push their career forward is what i love to do i i love helping them i'm not not really looking to manage people um the company big laugh comedy is about here just like empowering comedians helping them you know find opportunities connect them with other people too you know i, I can't tell you how many times we've connected people comedians with uh bigger headliners who then end up taking them out on the road or you know giving them some spots here and there and that's what it's all about man i mean because at the end of the day like we're all in this together and and unfortunately sometimes in in the community and however you want to describe it like in the scenes like people can be cutthroat and kind of you know i feel it too where like sometimes people try to come after us for i don't know for no reason really Mm. honestly but I think that's just in life in general. When someone sees somebody on the top or they're doing something well or positive, there's those naysayers, those haters that kind of come out and try to knock you down. So it's just nature. It's the nature of the beast. Yeah, I think that's what attracted me to Big Laugh is like we just share that that spirit of just supporting comics, being positive, creating a safe space, like really and just trying to give comics opportunities wherever we can. And we're like, big laugh. It was, and maybe give us, because um, what I reached out to you to come on here is because you guys are currently doing like a fundraiser, but, or for lack of a better term, you can give us more specificity on it, but it was really intriguing and inspiring. So maybe give us a little context for how big laugh started and where it's going. Sure. Yeah. So um, I started doing comedy about six years ago and then f- about, and so when I started doing it, I wanted to get in front of a show in front of a, like a real audience. And um, with my background of being an entrepreneur and marketing and sales um, and also being extremely impatient, I was like, fuck it. I need to get in front of it. I'm like, I got to see if my material is actually good or not. And plus, I had a bunch of friends who wanted to see it. So I started producing shows mostly to give myself more time and 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 a real audience but the first show that i booked it was like at a brewery up where by where i live which is like 30 minutes north of austin and i got a hundred people to come out and pay on average 17 dollars per ticket and um only the cool thing was that only 25 percent of those people were like friends that i knew everyone else came from advertisements and marketing that we did and but 
you know, with that money, I was able to pay comedians pretty, pretty well. We had some headliners, local headliners, but headliners nonetheless that uh, came out and did the show. So we paid them. We paid all the other comedians. And um, that was my first taste in, in doing the comedy production. And then I took a little bit of a hiatus and got back into it again. But I stopped doing the comedy side of it. And I was like, man, you know what? Because I got more nervous about doing the comedy side than I did about just actually producing the show and how well it would turn out. So I found my lane and I found my passion for that. Um, the other thing is like when I paid comedians, I remember the first this girl that was on there um, for the first show, she got she got paid 35 bucks for doing like five or 10 minutes. I forgot what it was. She was great. I've seen her be on other shows, but she's like, Brandon, this is the first time I ever got paid for being on the show. I was like, you kidding me, right? I'm like, you've been on a number of shows in the area and you never got paid. She's like, no. She's like, I get drink tickets and maybe some chicken yep. wings. She's like, but that's about it. Yep. I was like, I'm like, that's kind of fucked up. And that was another reason why I want to do what I do because get, get comedians to pay, you know, get paid. And we still do this to this day where like, I always say I make a lot of people a lot of money and I'm okay with that. Like I'm not the one who's, who's coming home and bankrolling on it. It's, it's other people that are making most of the money. And, and that's, that's okay because I know in the, the long run, that's going to all pay off. And with where, where we're going, you know, there's, there's going to come a time where, you know, that all that stuff's going to add up and it's just going to, it's, it's pot, it's positive. When you do this, it's like, it's adding like social currency, you know, the universe, I believe the universe, you do good things. The universe pays you back might not be directly from that person, but it's going to come back from some way, shape or form. And so, so anyway, the, the story was that I got back into production, started doing it. I actually set a goal for myself to do it full time in 2020. Um, and I had my first big show lined up with Dean Del Rey on March 7th, 2020 uh -huh. in Austin, Texas, down on 6th Street. And sure enough, that was a week before the world shut down. So the turnout from the show was not very good. Um, it was decent. Um, Dean did a great job. Everyone that came had a, a fantastic. It was just a weird, weird time. Like newspapers were reading. I remember even Dean. I, I talked to Dean because he's coming back we're kind of full circle. He's coming back to Austin. We're doing another show with him. Awesome. And he's he's like, dude, I'll never forget that show. I'm like, me either, bro. I'm like, that, <laughs> first, it was like my first kind of jump into doing this full time. Second, it was like it was during the weirdest time in the in the, my life, uh, you know, in all honesty. And so but during the pandemic, we started doing, uh, you know, things shut down and we weren't able to do live shows anymore. But I was like, I still had the the, the vision, the passion and wanting to do this full time. So I, I actually I did. I shut down my marketing business. I had an agency that I was running for about five years and there wasn't much going on as far as marketing during the pandemic anyways. So I was like, I'm going to take the money I've saved and some of the money I was able to accumulate and I'm going to invest it into doing this stuff online. And so we started producing shows, online shows, not stand up shows, but like comedy, kind of like we had a variety show. We had a, a meme kind of base show. We had we had a podcast type, type style stuff. So we, we tried everything. At one point, we had about 10 shows running at, um, at during the week and all online, no like Zoom stand up. And and it was an outlet for comedians to be able to. Um, do their comedy, have fun, you know, interact with other comedians, very similar to what you're doing here with this. Mm -hmm. And then also uh, it was another outlet for other people to get, you know, good content, get their minds off the bullshit. But when things started opening up, we started doing live shows and that all started taking off. We found a really good partnership with Vulcan at, in Austin, Texas. And um, then the next thing you know, is like I made some strategic moves that all worked out in our favor, which then landed us some really big shows and worked with some really big names. And now we're here. We're doing and we started there doing we were given one day per week to do comedy shows. And within about I think it was like February, March, we at that point of March 2021, we were doing shows almost seven days a week and and killing it selling it out um we basically took vulcan and and have turned it into a, a comedy club and now yeah. we have some of the biggest names that come through there we do headliners we have showcases um people know it uh rogan talks about it all the time on his podcast yeah so it's, it's been a it's a, been a really fun experience seeing all that and how it's transformed um now 
where we're going is we want to I, I and I, I told you this a little bit off the podcast, but what I didn't know when we started doing this is how impactful comedy really is in people's lives. Um, I mean, I knew that laughter can make a difference. And I knew the saying that laughter is a medicine, but I didn't really know how much. And after doing some research, it's like it truly is a medicine. Um, I, I mean, not just from research, but from like firsthand experience. I know if I'm having a shitty day, I go in to the comedy club. I sit down there. I watch a show. I leave. I feel a million times better. Yeah. Um, I've gotten emails from people, um, people who have had a really hard time. And I had one person tell me that, you know, he if he didn't wake up the next day, he didn't believe anyone would, would care. And he went to a comedy show, laughed for two hours, came back, changed his life, turned it into 180. Now he's doing now he's doing comedy himself, too. And so wow. he, found, he found a passion. And, you know, we hear people talk about how they they met at a comedy show or they went there for their anniversary. You know, there, there's everything from you know, the, the sad parts of life that comedy can help, but also like how it enhances the, the happy parts of your life too. Um, I've seen families bond, bringing kids to see their famous, uh, favorite comedians. Uh, we just had, uh, we just had Vic, the, De, uh, the I can't pronounce his last name, but, um, he, uh, Vic came by and he was talking with, um, this autistic, uh, kid who was about 18 years old. And, the mom reached out to us and asked if it was okay to come in there. We don't normally allow 18 plus. It's typically the venue is more like 21, but we made an exception. And so he came in and got to meet him and it changed his life. Like she sent us an email. She's like, you know what? That was the most amazing thing in the world. They got to take a picture like an autistic kid. I can't imagine being autistic and going through that stuff, but being able to find something that you love, finding someone that makes you laugh. That, that changes people's life, you know, and that's mm -hmm. that's the thing is like, this is where we're going. Like, I see how much it impacts people that I'm like, what if this world just laughed more? If we laughed more, what could we do? You know, laughter is, is proven to create more positivity and a positive mindset with positive mindset creates more productivity, better relationships. We all could use that a lot more. We make better decisions when we're more positive. And so with all that said, imagine a world where people were more positive, laughed more, um, what this could be, because I honestly, I think we, we used to be that way. And then we started getting so in, indulged with, you know, social media and online and all that stuff is good, but it really does mess with your fucking head. And so yeah. we've gotten to the point where, you know, people mental health is at a crisis, you know, and, and it's at a height of where it's it's a it's a problem so big laugh comedy is really about making the world laugh in order to and then and and also by empowering comedians so we i always look at it we have two audiences we have comedy fans and we have com comedians mm -hmm. both of those are our customers oh, and sorry. with that said um yeah it's like <laughs> big up said comics we're just like weed <laughs> <laughs> i love i love how these are popping through <laughs> But, you know, like our, our goal is our goal is to make the world laugh. And, and by doing that, we want to um, help, you know, further people's careers. I, I heard a story on Rogan talked about this. I think it was on the Flagrant 2 podcast or the Flagrant. Right? It's not Flagrant 2 anymore. But um, he was talking about how he he started when he started doing open mics. He, he knew this woman and I think he was dating her at the time, too. And she was he's like she was fucking hilarious. She's like he was like she was funnier than me. And then, but she never made it and never got through it. And he's like, I don't know what happened. He's like, I stopped, you know, staying in touch with her. Oh, Brandon froze. Did he freeze for everyone? Or was that just me? Brandon! He'll be back. We'll give him a minute to reset. That is the perfect freeze frame of his face, though. Of <laughs> oh. Everyone, says Ricky. Okay, cool. Ah! Hilarious. Big facts, Big O. Frozen out here. Everyone. Yeah, I agree, Jeanette. Jeanette said, comedy is life-changing. I watch comedy every day. Sometimes I watch my favorite stand-up over and over. I love clean comedy, too. 
Nice. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. My Q&A is too cool, said Ryan. How funny. Nice. Yeah, and I appreciate y'all's questions. Um, We'll get to as many as we can, but I did want to get to Brandon's, like the fundraiser they're doing and kind of the vision for that because I think it's super interesting and unique that I think we can all learn from just as comedians in general. But um, I did see DC had a question about storytelling. So I, I will, um, I could do a quick answer on that one because I want to keep Brandon's questions more towards like the business and production and things like that. Um, so if we don't get to your question, um, we will for sure. There he is. And it's all right. This is the hotel. It's McDonald's internet. Sorry. No, just... you're good. No, you're good. <laughs> no worries. Ryan said this Q and a is too cool. And that's oh, why you froze. Cool. Awesome. Well, I, I don't know. I, I know I was, I got cut off in the middle of the story, but I was just mentioning how rogan was talking about this per this woman at the open mics and she was funny as hell and he's like imagine what she could have been doing like who knows you know back mm -hmm. then it was a different era a different day and age doggy dog world and 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 i was like you know i thought about it i was like that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing because you know what if we could empower people even at a you know like like jimmy is a perfect example again not quite there but um as far as like being up ready for hosting or feature and maybe he is I, I, um and he's getting close but the the fact of the matter is that we're giving him an outlet with the the podcast to do something and grow and then at the same time he's able to he comes to the club he hangs out he watches the comedians he gets to go up do his thing he's learning through that process but then you know the other thing is we're helping them from the business perspective how to monetize their their channels if they're getting audiences and they're growing and they got a good product and people are enjoying it how do you how do you make some money off of it how do you monetize it and so by able to, and imagine like if that girl who was doing comedy back then was given more opportunities was also given an outlet to be able to make some money while doing something that she loves to do and nurture that process imagine where she would be at this you know now and mm -hmm. so that's the thing is like we want to help all comedians um, grow and empower them and be an advocate for them. Um, and, and that's, and that's really what it comes down to then. And in the flip side, you know, more people get to see really good comedians. They also get to meet new ones. Like one of my favorite things to do is not just the large showcases, but like bringing in like lower name comedians, maybe comedians that are just not as well known, but they're really funny, bringing them to the club, having them play, and then people walking out and be like, I've never heard of this person, but I'm a huge fan. And I can't tell you how many times that happens. And it's fantastic. It, yeah. It's so it's so great. Like helping them build up their fan base. Like we've done it now with a few comedians. Like Paul Versey is a great example. Oh um, yeah. We just had Paul him on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Paul's Paul's great. He just dropped his new special on Netflix. If you yep. guys haven't watched it, it is fantastic. Killer. Really one of the best podcasts that, or, or specials I've seen in a long time. Um and there's been a lot of great ones coming out. So it's it, that's like saying something. But Paul was Paul has a great story. I got put in touch with him through Emilio, who owns the New York Comedy Club or one of the owners of the New York Comedy Club here in New York. And um, he's a great guy too. big advocate in the in the comedy scene. Um, huge player helps a lot of people. He um, and he he shares the same kind of mentality. That's why we click when we're like friends. But he, Paul, he put me in touch with Paul about a year and a half ago when we first started. We put a show together. We booked it out. Paul told me all about himself. Um, didn't have the biggest following in the world, but really, really fun to do. Came out. He sold 400 tickets. And I was like, hey, let's do it again. We booked. We put another date on the on the books for a year later. He, he thought at the time that his special was going to drop then. So it was going to help with ticket sales. But he still ended up, we still sell, end up selling, I think, a little over 500, maybe close to like 550 in tickets. Wow. So he did go do an increase from what he was from the first time to the second time. Wow. And then now, you know, hopefully he's not going to get too big from this Netflix that he won't forget the little people. AKA no. <laughs> <laughs> the little people doing shows with like Joe Rogan, you mean? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but still, like, um, <laughs> you but, know, he straight flex, <laughs> you know, a little something, something, just a little sauce on him. Um, but you know, he, um, 
and so I just hope he comes back because then we can do another show and that's that's room out um but he he uh so but he's and people like that and then like Eric Newman's another guy Ali Mikofsky is one of my favorite comedians Mm -hmm. um I remember listening to Ali when I first started doing comedy I started listening to Kill Tony on the regular and um she she was one of my favorites like her her jokes and her voice and her delivery everything was just like amazing and I've gotten to work with her a, a, a couple times and she, she's another one like she my favorite thing is that we booked her she came out we booked Craig Connett to come out he was our fourth show when we started doing shows on um, in during the pandemic down here in Austin the fourth show was Craig Connett he's like hey I'm gonna bring Allie Mikowski to feature for me uh she's gonna do like 20 minutes I was like perfect I'm like this is great and then I ended up talking to Allie's agent and booking her like a month later so we got to use that as kind of a springboard for her to come back um but she came up she killed she was fantastic then fast forward she came she comes back a month later she sells out a single show um and then she gets out there and 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 the crowd is going crazy like they're like welcome Allie Mikowski to the stage and everyone's like wow and she got off and she was glowing she's like Brandon She's like, that was incredible. She's like, that was, she's like, oh my God. And she like was like a loss for words. And it was just great to see her. She came back and did another show with us. And she's like, every time she's like, I don't know what it is about this stage and what about your your shows in Austin. She's like, but I always have my best sets when I do this. And, and she's just like, and she's like, she's very grateful, but she's blown up and she's blown up and like, a guy like Eric Newman is another guy who we've got to work with. We did a little Texas tour with them. He's not, he wasn't selling, like he sold 130 tickets when he did it with us in Vulcan, but he did, um, he did a weekend show in Dallas in Fort Worth and we helped with that. And he sold, he sold out two shows. Now there were 70, 70 tickets per show. It was a little bit smaller of a stage, but he still sold out two. And now we're going to bring him back for a full weekend, come here in 2023 wow. to do a full weekend in Austin. And he's blown up too. It's just, it's great to be a part of this and see that and work from, you know, work with people who are low levels. Like we worked, we worked a couple shows now with Chris Stefano too. Great guy, fantastic comedian. I've been a huge fan for a long time. And he actually, I reached out to him via Instagram, like DM beginning when we started first doing shows i i took screenshots of this too be just because like for memory purposes yeah. but like we I, we started talking in december 2020 and we were like oh we, him and i worked out a deal right there on instagram about him coming down to austin now he started getting busy and blowing up and 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 didn't work out but j- january of this year we did finally got a show to do with him and he sold out and i looked at the numbers that we did he was like yeah i think i'll be able to sell this out and and do these numbers i think we tripled the numbers that oh we my we gosh do. yeah i it love was, hearing that it was crazy dude it's just crazy to see how like a year and a half can change so much and mm-hmm. um and then he came back and did another show with us sold that out too but he and he and he's great man he like he he's, he told me he's like I, I love working with you and that's the thing what we try to do too set that that tone and be comedian friendly, like take care of them, not be an asshole, help them out, like whatever they need. I always tell them, this is your show, whatever you need from us, you just let us know. And I, I think taking that approach of putting the comedian first also kind of sets the tone and, and changes like, and unfortunately, like I've heard stories is like not every club and place and venues like that. No, most, most clubs, a lot of, I won't say most, but a lot of clubs do just kind of like sequester you so like get stay in the corner until it's your turn. Like it's not the most um yeah, but I, that's why it's inspiring people like you like producing opportunities for comedians but also treating comedians, you know, like like they would like to be treated. Yeah, that old way and that old min- mindset around comedy clubs. I'm hoping that's starting to fade out cuz it, it's it ain't pretty a lot of the places. It it is and and you're right that like you nailed it in the head. It's the old school kind of mentality and that and that truly is like what motivates me and inspires me to, and inspires us as a company. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not just me. I have a team behind us. Like I, like I said, like any good professional understands that they, they can't do this by themselves. I wouldn't be able to grow and get us to where we are 
uh, if it wasn't for a team of people. And so shout out to everybody at Big Laugh Comedy, uh, everybody behind the scenes, um, you know, even the team over at Vulcan, they've done a fantastic job. And and we and we work together to really put their needs first. And I, that's why I want to grow Big Laugh Comedy. That's why we crowded, we started this equity crowdsourcing plaf, um, campaign. So it's it's not a it's not a donation based. It's not Kickstarter. It's not a um, a, a GoFundMe kind of campaign. It is legitimately run through the SEC. Uh, I have I had to spend about six to eight months. I think it was closer to eight months. Uh, spent tens of thousands of dollars to get everything in line. Had to go through you know legal teams and financial Gee. reviews and had to get things passed through to go through the SEC. And we're literally um, raising funds through uh, through selling equity. People are getting to own parts of big laugh comedy they get to be a part of the owner and and reason is to is that i always had a dream of putting the business as like a, a build it a brand of for people by the people um because like we like i i always wanted comedians to be part owners whether they bought into it or we gave them equity in some and some capacity that like even before we went down this road that was a conversation that I've had behind closed doors for a very long time. And um, I believe that when you have skin in the game too, like one of the things we asked ourselves was that we had some like really big advocates for who we are. People go out and they talk about us and love us and all that stuff. But I was like, how do we convert more average Joe fans into more advocates? And I was like, well, what if they had some skin in the game? And so we offered them an opportunity, you know, in exchange for a, for their money where they're going to invest. And like I said, we made a lot of people a lot of money. So why stop now? And that's the same concept, you know, have them be a part of it, have them become advocates, have them have a voice and feedback in what we're doing. Um, at the same time, they'll make money from it too. And so when we all benefit, you know, when, when we make money, everyone else benefits too. And so that's really what it comes down to. It's it's regulated by the the government. It was um, equity crowdsourcing for a lot of people who don't know. It is through the Jobs Act that was created back in 2016, which allowed more small businesses to get funding. Um, because really, the only way before that was like VC money or angel investors or family and friends, and all those outlets are really hard to do. So what they with creating uh, the jobs act they actually allowed they created the start uh, the equity crowdfunding platforms um star engine is one of them it's one of the larger ones mm. and that's the one we decided to go with but we did a lot of research into seeing what we did and i even had people and i still do i have people who want to individually invest and which is fine we take that money but um this was something that i still wanted to go down this road because i wanted to create a a, a movement I wanted people to be a part of it. I mean, there's a lot of places that cannot do this because they've either are established and they're making too much money. And so they're like, why would I sell part of my business? But we're in a perfect position where we're young enough. We have a proven model and we have big plans and what we want to do and how we want to change the world. And I know it sounds corny and cliche, but it's true. Um, and how we want to help the, the, the world people and comedians. And so, you know, for, you know, you can invest for as little as 150 bucks. That's so, all you have to put into it. So now what what people. does that look like? Like if let's say I, I go and invest $150, like what, what, um, what, what now? So, uh, so what happens is that the money gets donated. We have a campaign that runs about three, three to six months, depending. Um, it could be even sooner if we hit our goal. Our goal right now is uh, $1.07 million. And then with that funds, we have what we're actually going to do is start to invest. And we already done that. We, I mean, we, we've been investing in, in comedians in the business for since we started. But um, we're going to you know, build out a podcast network. We're going to um, create opportunities for comedians. Like I said, uh, we're going to uh, we're going to actually open up our own venues, too. We have a Ooh. couple of places that we already have in mind um and and leases that were ready to go and, and get ready and rock and roll and um and and then expand from there and then we actually uh i know this is the most not the most popular thing in the world right now but nfts is is another avenue that we're we want to take comedy down 
Um, and it's not just because like, it's not JPEG images, you know, every, everyone kind of like jokes around about that shit, but yeah. there's a lot of create, like there, even people with photography can sell it as NFTs. And there's a lot of things that comedians can do with these NFTs, even with like selling tickets and having those kind of set up. So we're, we're pushing innovation technology, um, also just creating an experience. And the goal is to create, um, create an avenue where it's it's a full experience whether you're in person or you're online so you can go to a venue have the best time laugh your ass off come back home the next day you can wake up and be like hey go check out this clip from big laugh comedy this is the guy that we just saw live in person or watch this sketch that they just did it's fucking hilarious it's a it's really like creating an ecosystem where it encompasses all aspects and you know the online offline um relationship intertwining and, and putting it together mixing it together plus adding in technology and innovation and this is something that hasn't really been done in comedy hasn't really been done in general some people are starting to do this a little bit um but it's really pushing the envelope and it's not uh necessarily rocket science but it's just taking a bunch of little different industries and mixing it into one and putting it all under one brand and then allowing people to create opportunities for themselves i love that yeah people in the comments are saying that sounds awesome uh, Jeanette said she will be investing oh, and uh, Big O said the money gets invested back into comedians. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. That sounds great. It's like, we got, we just got a, we have a temporary studio right now, but we have a studio that we're about to start launches and podcast. The Jim Clifford show is going to be recorded there. We're going to, we're talking to some other comedians. Uh, I just blasted on, on our Instagram today that we're looking for comedians who have podcasting ideas um you know we we do actually uh, we have a written side too we have a publication side where we we create we have a editor-in-chief when we create we have news and then we have sat satirical stuff on there too but uh, it's also news and like reviewing uh specials talking about what's going on in the local communities what's going on in comedy in general um you know just compass like everything comedy like everything related to comedy we are going to be covering and that's because I love it and I think everybody should. And there's nothing that really covers comedy. Like, you know, uh, Jim Jeffries, right after the, the Oscars, I, it wasn't even regarding the slap, um, the slap heard around the world. It was in regards to like, the Oscars don't even nominate co co like comedy specials mm -hmm. or, you know, comedians in general. And like, like comedians, I think is it, like comedy as an art is the most, is one of the hardest art forms there is because like as a painter you could paint something look at it say it looks like shit, throw it out you know you and and you don't have to worry about somebody rejecting you as an actor you could sit there and take do 250 takes until you get that one that goes up on the screen but yeah. anyone who's not watching who's not part of the process won't know that you did that many fucking takes and you sucked that bad that you had to do it 250 times but as a comedian, yep. you do that in real time with real rejection and it is not easy. And so like that needs more recognition. That That's how I see it. It needs Great. more recognition and um, needs more respect out there. So we get we got plans to to like do our own awards and have, you know, a yearly thing where we nominate people for podcasts and movies and sketches. And that's another thing we want to get into is like video content but just, but bigger like movies too because i think hollywood first of all hollywood the entertainment industry puts drama as the number one genre because it sells more around the world because they say drama and action sell internationally where comedy doesn't and i think that's bullshit. um there's been proven models that there it's it translates no matter where you go um i've seen more and more comedians now that are traveling overseas and mm -hmm. um and it's and working you know and it works and people are laughing doesn't matter what the humor is they still get it they actually say that some of the jokes work better overseas than they do here in america and so it's like why not do that and and like and in the entertainment industry too is like they've gotten so they're the 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 movie um the movie studios are so now indulged in like nostalgia and things that were blockbusters and they're they're so worried about that they're not really take willing to take risk on original content and there's so much original content out there i can't i probably i know i think everybody has a script right everyone's got a fucking screen, <laughs> <a> screen <play. laughs> <They've written. laughs> yeah 
I, I, I know that half the people I talk to always say, yeah, I got something. I wrote something, you know? And so it's like, why not take a chance on some of this stuff? I mean, it's, it can't be like we're going to produce everything, but it, it's like if you have an idea and it's actually good, let's take a chance on it and see how it rolls. It rolls with the dice. And if it's good and it's done well, it'll do well. I mean, but so that's that's the thing is we want to kind of take the risk and 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 take those risks because I don't I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of fearless at this point. It's like we have nothing to lose. And let's let's just go see what happens. Where can people donate? Uh, if you not even to... donate. Yeah, I don't want to come off like it is like a Kickstarter. I mean, it's literally like you said, it's like it's like equity. I just I didn't know the right way to like frame it I, I like the, yeah I've, I've been having kind of a hard time doing that too but it's invest right i think um yeah if you want to invest in comedy you want to invest in big laugh comedy um you can go to you can go directly to our website which is big blcomedy.com forward slash invest you can also go directly to the source which is startengine.com forward slash uh be uh, big laugh comedy so big laugh comedy um, yep startengine.com slash forward slash big laugh big comedy. laugh comedy nice and okay cool yeah and you guys have already raised forty-five dollars and it's yeah, a so 25 million dollar valuation yeah <laughs> what just yeah, based so on the vision and what you guys want to do yeah, no, no, that's that's a very good question because a lot of people actually ask that. Um, and I had somebody today who just asked that. So the valuations are really hard to come across. I, I know when I first, they were like, here, give us a valuation. I was like, I don't know how to fucking start with this. And the the best way they describe it is you take in a couple different factors. One, our current numbers. Two, um, some things that we don't, we don't make all the profits because we are essentially the production company and the venue itself. Um, most of the times we've done it with multiple venues, uh, venues typically keep a hundred percent of the food and liquor. And so, um, you know, but we do know what they are making from the food and liquor. And then if we are running our own full-time venues, that's the, the money that will, we know will accumulate and they've made some pretty good money on our events and For so sure. um it's it's that factor it's what we're making it's also um projections that i've worked with uh cpas based on real life data also markets and competitors too so the the like the comedy club industry i think of la uh, in two in 2021 was like it it was valued at 330 million dollars um, and then we're going to be getting into podcasting, which there's advertising sponsorships uh, and opportunities in that, which uh, it's a $94 billion industry right now for podcasting. Um, and actually, I don't know if you knew this, but po uh, comedy is the number one genre in podcasting. It surpassed uh, news. It's like 21% of people who listen to podcasts listen to comedy podcasts. Um, so if you equate that with the, the, the billions of dollars in there, you just do 21% of the $94 billion market and you'll see how much comedy makes. And then also, um, with some of the other channels that we're going to and the other revenue streams. So there's real money to be made in what we're doing. We're also not relying on just ticket sales and food and liquor, um, which is, you know, is, is my mind a genius way of going about it because, in this day and age, I think one thing if you learn anything from the pandemic is that when you rely on one source of income, you're fucked. You, you really Amen are. to that. Amen <laughs> to that. Yep. I no mean, mas. Yeah. So, I mean, it, even the like the smartest investors in the world, Warren Buffett, you know, has always said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yep. Yep. Got to um, diversify. Yep. So, so that's what it is, man. So that's the valuation. That's where that came from. Yeah, and I just put a link to it in the live chat, and I will put a link to it in the show notes of um of this podcast as well. And um, oh yeah, Ryan Skrilla, he has a podcast where he interviews comedians uh while they're out at restaurants, and he keeps saying cough cough. I know a guy with a good interview show. Um, uh, <laughs> I guess he's pitching his podcast. Is there a place right now for people to pitch ideas yeah, or? Yeah, you can, uh, two things. You can either just direct, uh, DM us on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Big Laugh Comedy. Um, or you could send a direct email to uh, info at uh, blcomedy.com. 
info at vocomedy.com. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I mean, Brandon, I feel like there's so much just synergy here. And honestly, like anything we can do to help um, or collaborate on, you know, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of similar vision and just intention and spirit around what we're both trying to do here. So really, yeah, anything, um, anything we can do together, I think it only just helps. So yeah, man, I, I, I agree. I a hundred percent agree. I think this, your podcast is fantastic. I'm, I'll say it again. I think this is definitely something that a lot of people could use and I'm glad you're getting the recognition that you're getting at this point, but uh, anything you need to from me, you let me know, brother. Like, I appreciate you putting me on here um, and thank everybody for coming on and listening and spending the time with us. Um, I'm very grateful for this. I, I don't take anything for granted. And um, you are the man, dude. So appreciate yeah. you. Bow. Just bound. Boom. Yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out, Hot Breath Diverse. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel to participate in these weekly Q&As we do. And we will see y'all next week. Cool. Bye, y'all. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.